0: welcome to dads with daughters in this show we spotlight dads resources and more to help you be the best dad you can be
1: welcome back to the dads with daughters podcast where we bring you guests to be active participants in your daughter's lives raising them to be strong independent women really excited to have you back again this week every week. I love being able to sit down with you and talk to you about the journey that you're on, share some of my own experiences, but really delving into the things that are challenging you and bringing people to talk to you about the the journey that they have had and things that they can offer to help your journey be even smoother than it may have already been. Every father comes to fatherhood in different ways. There's no one right way to father We've talked about that numerous times in numerous episodes, and it's so true because the way that you father, the way that I father is going to be just a little bit different, but that doesn't mean that we can't learn from one another. That doesn't mean that we can't be vulnerable with one another and talk about the challenges that we have because there are going to be challenges. It's not always going to be roses. It's not always going to be easy, but if if you surround yourself with people that will help you and will lift you up, that is only going to help you to be a stronger father and to be there more engaged and a better parent in the end for your kids. Every week, I love being able to bring you different guests, different men, different people that have lots of different experiences that they can share with you. And this week, I am really excited to be able to bring back repeat guest. Die Manuel, is with us today. Die is a repeat guest, as I said. He was first with us May 18th of 2020. It's been two and a half years, been quite a while. Things have changed in Die's life, and we're going to talk about some of those changes that have happened, but we're also going to be talking about some of the things that he's doing right now to support dads and people to be able to, to really change their mindset, to think about not only fitness, wellness, and more, but really changing your mindset to moving yourself in the right direction toward whole body fitness. And when I say fitness, it's not just about exercise. So we're going to talk about that too. Dai, thanks so much for being here today.
0: Chris, man, I, gosh, last time we chatted, was like new lockdown. It was. Crazy, right? To think about, wow, dude, this is awesome. I mean, it's, but it's funny, right? Because we're connected online, right? Like I, I see you show up in my feed regularly. I see each other commenting in different groups, so I feel like we've been there all the time, you know. So it's, but it's nice to be here in this formal. Well, return guest. I mean, I'm just honored to be back again. I'm like, wow, do
1: I have something extra to talk about? I'm sure gonna try. Well, as I said, things have changed since the last time we talked, and the last time we talked, your kids were—you had one that was just graduating, you had another that was still in high school. And getting ready to keep going on in high school. since then, they're both out of the house. They're both mm. doing their thing. They're <laughs> adulting in their own ways. <laughs> and now they have grown and flown. And I guess I wanted to talk a little bit about that and some of the some of the new reality for you and your spouse and, and to talk about some of the things that you've had to do as your kids have moved out of the house to now be able to still be a be their dad, but maybe in a little bit different way. DOD,
0: the acronym. I'm a dad on demand. All right. So <laughs> it's quite literally, you know, when I think about it now, my kids, they are quick to ask for help when they need it, but that's about it. Otherwise they're exerting their independence every which way they can. And you know what? Right on because I I mean, I remember what it was like being 18 and moving away from home. I moved all the way across the country. You know, at 18, I graduated high school and I was like, okay, peace out. I'm gone. And I literally went from Toronto, you know, like in Ontario, all the way to Vancouver, which is the, the furthest I could go on the West coast. And so I, I remember the excitement, the exhilaration, but also the fear, right? Associated with all that. Now, With my daughters, they're both still in province, which is awesome. (laughs) So they're within distance. My one daughter, you know, literally an hour away. My other daughter about six hours away. So I don't see them as much as I'd like to, of course. That transition from them leaving home, that move out day, because we moved them. We did. We moved both of them into the universities. Well, one on campus, the other one was renting a room and shared home. And just the act of moving them and then driving away. It was really hard. I didn't realize how challenging it was going to be. I mean, I remember my mom just bawling her eyes out that day that I was leaving to get on the plane to move to Vancouver, right? Like, I, I remember just losing it and being like, What's up, mom? What's wrong with you? You know, like, don't worry about it. It's not like I'm dying here. I'm just, I'm just moving. I get it now. I get it. And obviously, I didn't bawl like my mom did, but I shed some tears. There was this feeling of a clamp and just, being all choked up. And and that's just, I guess, part of life, right? We all process it a little bit differently. Um, It was much harder on my wife, uh, full disclosure. It was, it was definitely more challenging for her, especially when our second daughter moved away, because now it was like 20 years of having kids around to no kids around. And I like, should be the first to say that I'm kind of a big kid. But anyways, I at least clean up after myself. But it's been just an interesting last few months. We're in a great place now. We talk to the kids regularly. We always have a Sunday night Zoom call all of us on the call. We do message. We have a very active WhatsApp family feed that we're constantly sharing. We also have a family feed and Instagram for us to share some of the funny posts that we're consuming. And so there's lots of regular contact still, but it's not that face-to-face like I was used to. So all that being said, it's just a I hate the cliche, but I'm gonna say it anyways, you know? Such is life and it just goes on, right? So, but yeah, that's that's more or less, you know, the update over the last few months because it's it's been interesting.
1: So one of the things that I guess that I want to follow up on and ask you about there is the fact that you and your wife are now empty nesters, we're going to say. Right. They're right, out of the yeah. house and it's just the two of you now. And that is a transition for many as you have gone from a dynamic of first four, then three, and now just the two of you. How has that changed your relationships and what have you had to do to be able to fill that gap and maybe even reconnect in some ways now that the kids are not there?
0: Great question, Chris, because I also know that this is, well, let's be honest, this is a big issue for a lot of, of couples, you know, when the kids move out of the house. I mean, and I, and I hate to say this, but we we all sort of know what the underlying reality is here. And a lot of times parents stay together until the kids leave the home. I remember my parents, they did that for the longest as they could, but they eventually got to a place where it's like, no, my dad's mental health, my mom's mental health, they needed to split. But I know that it went on for years trying to keep the family unit together, even though the parents, (laughs) you know, the relationship was not something to emulate, you know, Like it, it, you could tell there's issues. So this whole piece around relationships and that dynamic, constantly variable relationship, this romantic relationship, you know, between my wife and I, I have to be... Well, I'm going to share with you, you know, there's one thing that's helped us navigate this really well. And what I mean by that is it's the resiliency to deal with stress. That's what we're all looking to improve in every aspect of life, right? Like resiliency, you can make yourself more resilient, being consistent and persistent <laughs> enough to build up certain tolerances, if you will, or buffers, right? And what I mean by that is like, obviously, if you if you're someone that exercises and works out fairly regularly, you're going to be on the far end of healthy, right? So if you get sick or an injury, you're going to shift back a little bit, but you might go from being uber healthy to healthy. So you have a bit more buffer where, you know, some people might be struggling to be healthy. They get a major injury or sickness. Whoa, they go to unhealth very quickly. And so it's, again, building up resilience in all these different ways. And when it comes to our relationship, there's one thing that I think has given us a lot of resilience as a couple. And I think we might have shared about this before, but Chris, we I use a certain type of language. Anybody that sees my social or they hear me talking about my wife, I always say we've been dating for X amount of years. Like I've been dating my wife now going on 23 years. I am very selective with that language. I'm intentional with that language. Because my wife today, Chris, is very different than the woman I met almost 23 years ago. But if I didn't intentionally With a lot of diligence and patience, but also a wanting to constantly reconnect, rediscover all those aspects that are shifting in us. If I didn't do that, obviously, that idea of growing apart is a reality, but we wanted to grow together, not apart. And for that, we had a dedicated date night that was non-negotiable. Both of our calendars every week, Saturday night, 5 to 11. Boom, non negotiable. Like we have friends that call us and they'll be like, oh no, it's Saturday night. We can only ask Diane Christie if we ask them as a couple. <laughs> you know, it's not like one or the other. But this has been really a, a godsend for us, you know, like this dedicated evening every week. Doesn't matter how busy life is, how much chaos is going on around us or for us or in, to us, right? We know we have this little oasis to look forward to where we have that 100% intentional energy shared with each of us, between us. And so that has been one thing that has really helped us with the resiliency in our relationship. There's other things as well. Like I I recommend people read The Five Love Languages and The Four Agreements, two great books that I highly recommend. And there's also a book called Conscious Loving. Those are three key relationship books I recommend to anybody and everybody that listened to me. And quite frankly, you don't need any other relationship books. If you had those three, you've got everything covered. Okay. But that's really it. That piece that's allowed us to sort of sustain that part of us, you know, as a couple. And since the kids have left, it's been even more important to honor that weekly date if you know what I mean, because it is interesting because it was just so many opportunities for us to do things during the week when the kids are around. When the kids weren't there, all of a sudden it's like saying yes to, you know, she might come home late after work or I might do an impromptu workout with a buddy or go for a bike ride. Like where before we would have had this time to come together and meet and start preparing dinner. Et That's not happening as regularly now. And so that intentional date night's even more important now than it was when we had kids which is interesting. And I know some people are thinking, well, that's different, but no, it's true. It really is true. Because I can see how couples grow apart when the kids go away. I really do see that. So we're doing our darndest to not let that
1: happen. You talked about originally about the kids and how you are letting them fly and that they are the dad on demand type of aspect. Talk to me about what you've had to do to let go. Because for many men, for many fathers, You want to still be a part of their lives and you want to stay engaged. But as you said, that on demand, and you have to give them that space to be able to do the things that they need to do to adult, to learn, to grow. But that's not always easy. So talk to me about what you've had to do to be able to get into that either mindset or get yourself in that place where you can let go.
0: Wow. Wow. That's a great question. That's a really, really great question. And, you know, I'm like, jeez, I wish I could have listened to an episode that gave me this information before. <laughs> you know, so with us, actually, I'll bring it back a step for a second. You wonder, how do I present? Well, I'm just going to say it as it is, you know, whatever. I'll let that, it'll come out in the wash. My daughter's both dating, okay? They both had some boyfriends or boyfriend. My eldest daughter just went through her first big breakup. So she's sort of in that state of being single again and figuring out what does that look like. But she's been in a long-term relationship for over three years with the same guy. And great guy, like became part of our family, quite literally. And so us as as parents, obviously, we could be very naive and think, wow, I thought they'd be together forever. Uh, (laughs) You know, it's like she's barely 21, right? Forget about it. But there was that feeling of wanting to protect them emotionally, psychologically, being there to console them, to, to protect and guard them against any negative. But that was something that we had to try. And it's been easier for me than my wife. Okay. She's had a hard time with this because we both have an idea of how she can handle things better. How could you handle the breakup a little bit better? What's the intention? Where are you going after this breakup? Like really just asking some very specific questions that are challenging, but to also help her be more reflective, but also learn from this experience. Because that's the thing with kids. And I mean, we, we can all probably attest to this. We've been in the exact same place where it's like, done, moving on, right? And it's like, well, listen... <laughs> The only way we prevent patterns from happening again and again is you have to recognize there is a pattern or set some intentions before a pattern is created. And so we found that wanting to have these conversations with our girls are very, very present for my wife and I. And we've had to stop trying to force those conversations. That has been one of the hardest things for us is to just let go and let them live their lives. Let them make mistakes because we see them making them <laughs> you know believe me we see them making it, and I'm like dude i've done that one like 10 times. Did you just listen to me maybe i could have saved you some gr-. it doesn't matter. They want to do their thing. And it's been the hardest thing, man. Like honestly, i struggle with it a lot. But a little case in point, as parents, i don't think we can ever 100% let go. We can't. At least i don't believe i can. I, I, I think that would be impossible because i'm you know tell the Day I die, they're still going to be my little girls, you know, like I I could be 100 years old. They could be like in their 70s and they're still my little girls. Right. Like, whatever. I'm still going to parent them. (laughs) And but here's the thing. My youngest daughter, she's been in a relationship for a couple of years. Guy's a really nice guy. He's stand up ish, but he is young maturity isn't quite there yet. Cause I mean, they're both under 20, right? Like they're, they're just young, but we've recognized that there's been some signs of toxicity in the relationship, certain tendencies and communication, the way they talk to one another, the way that they communicate through text or TikTok or whatever they're talking through, right? Like there's just certain aspects that aren't respectful. And in fact, because of our knowledge and experience, you know, like I work with a lot of men and I do men's coaching, et cetera, et cetera. I've also done a lot of work for the last 15 years on myself when it comes to relationships. So I'm much more in tune and mindful of what I'm observing. And people are probably familiar with the four apocalypse, right? The writers of, and I'm not talking about the biblical sense, but I'm talking about the relationship killers you know, like stonewalling, right? Or gaslighting. And there's certain habits that are killers when it comes to relationships and that growth that we can actually experience being in a healthy relationship. You know, we sort of, and it's often based around fear and insecurities and just not knowing a healthier way of doing things. We've started to recognize in our daughters, some of these tendencies, whether they're on the receiving end or sometimes they're on the dishing end. And I had this great conversation with my youngest daughter where I don't normally meddle in the relationship conversations. Okay, Chris, I don't. I don't talk about that. I'm very surface when it comes to talking about relationships. And because I just, I know that that's something that they got to work through. But also being that they're girls, they relate better with my wife when talking about relationships. My wife is great with that. She likes dealing with that. So I know I'm sort of like the backup pinch hitter when needed. Okay. And I was needed. Coach put me in because we could tell that there was something very wrong. And there was a pattern that we wanted to deal with and address. I sat down with her. You know, both of us are sitting there, but I just started to explain some of the things I was observing in her boyfriend, but also things I was observing in her, how they start to compromise on some of their values. Some of the things that they were attracted to initially are now becoming so biased to one way, meaning very controlling type of things, wanting to know where they're at because they're also a distance relationship right now. So some of these added pressures have now been added in. And and so we brought this up with her and educated her, but also empowered her with some language around this. And this is the win. A week later, she came back and said, I had a conversation with them and it went amazing. We're both working on it. Like just to see them take that, which was really sensitive, especially giving them some relationship advice, right? Or coaching or mentorship. But seeing her receive it and then actually go and try to apply it, it was like a very proud moment for me. When I you know, pat myself on the back, I was like, yeah, that went. But even my wife, after the fact, she's like, you know what? That was exactly what she needed to hear. And I don't get involved in those conversations very often, but when I do, I'm very specific in what I'm observing and try to share it in a way that's not antagonistic, more reflective, and more inquisitory, right? Like I'm here to ask more questions to help her come to that discovery. And so everything that I'm sharing right now, hopefully is just giving people's ideas of ways to maybe navigate some of the harder conversations. Cause this is really when we start talking about vulnerability, right? And that ability to utilize vulnerability as a skill to deepen connection and understanding, and relatability. So yeah, that's really it, right there. But I, I mean, I don't know if that answered your question fully. But I, I sort of touched on it from both sides of the fence.
1: And I think that so often dads would not step into those conversations because you want to give them that space. You want them to learn and grow. You want them to sometimes fail. But I love what you said there. That there are times where you need to step in and you need to show leadership and you need to be able to help your child to be able to see things that may be right in front of them, but that they can't see.
0: Exactly. Spot on. And to be fair, I also, uh, there's a book I recommend to a lot of men and you could be a father or not a father. It doesn't matter. This book will re- be relevant, but it's called The Way of the Superior Man by David Dita. And just so you know, I know when I brought that book home the first time, my wife's like, what a chauvinistic book. She just looked at the title and it does. It sounds extremely chauvinistic, but it is not what you think. The Way of the Superior Man is really about this idea of what does it mean to be a great man or how to continuously evolve into a better version of oneself. But it speaks from a man representing as a man standpoint or viewpoint. Great book. And so I had just reread that. <laughs> so there was also some insights that I gleaned from that, that I remembered from a couple of the chapters that was literally, I could put it side by side, what my daughter was experiencing in her relationship. It was like the exact example shared in the book. So that also helped me with articulating, but also painting the picture. But also, and Chris, this is the big one. And and just to echo exactly what you said, this idea about vulnerability and being able to step in, I shared some of my own past experiences where either I was on the receiving end or on the giving end of that and explaining how it made me feel and how it affected my relationships in the negative. And so being able to share that intimate knowledge with my daughter was also a piece that I, I could see just in her eyes when we were sharing that. It was just like it registered. Like it was like, okay, I get it. This isn't like it's just a problem that I'm dealing with. This is a problem that everybody deals with. Even my dad dealt with it. And I think one thing I've had to take to heart is I've been very selective about some of my past stories I share with my kids. You know, like until I did my TEDx talk a couple of years ago on vulnerability, but actually speaking about my challenges with alcohol for a good 15 years of my life, my daughters had no idea about that. And a lot of the things I shared in that talk, and I remember the day giving that talk to them as a dry run in one of my rehearsals before the week before I actually went on the stage to do it and just remember their tears welling up and crying, but from a place of love and understanding and respect. And uh, that was the best hug I ever had. In fact, that delivery of my TEDx talk was far better than the one I did from the stage. But again, it's all about this idea of sort of tapping into some of these emotions and learning how to better articulate them. It is not easy at all, full disclosure. It's hard, but it's also extremely worth it. And so I want to encourage, invite people, just start doing it. Don't worry. You can't screw this up, okay? You can't. Just the fact that your kids see you trying, wow, it will be inspiring and it will bring you closer together with your kids.
1: Speaking of that TEDx talk, it makes me want to transition and talk a little bit about your brand new podcast because you did just share that TEDx talk on your podcast, The 2% Solution. And I guess first and foremost, I mean, you've been out there for quite some time. You know, you've shared videos and, you know, you've done a lot on fitness and and working with men and women, just people that want to live healthier lifestyles. And now you've brought what you have been sharing from a exercise end, kind of wholesale cyclical to a point of now talking about what you're calling the 2% solution. Talk to me about that. What is your goal with this podcast? Why now? And why is it important to get this message out?
0: Oh, thanks, Chris. Well, first of all, my book that was published a while ago now was called The Whole Life Fitness Manifesto. And it was a It's a resource that allows people to better understand how to get started with creating more whole life health and well-being for themselves. And what I mean by whole life fitness, fitness is an action. It's an activity that will help move the needle forward in certain areas, in particular health areas, right? Like we want to see blood pressure decrease. Well, start walking five times a week for 30 minutes a day, you know, drink some extra water, increase some fiber intake. Wow, look all of a sudden those markers start to improve. So we can quantify things quite nicely, but we can also qualify it based on how we feel once we've achieved the result. But this is more than just physical fitness. We can talk about emotional fitness. We can talk about spiritual fitness, relationship fitness, financial fitness, right? And this is really implying the activities we're doing to see those areas get more resilient, stronger, healthier, because it does imply intentional actions to see the results through. But a lot of us get confused. What's the best action to start with? How often do I do it? How do I do it? Why the hell do I even run and do this? (laughs) You know, like there's all these big questions that sometimes we just skimp over. We don't give the the necessary time or attention to really get clear with ourselves on what's the path in front of us. A lot of the times we just feel like we're bushwhacking. We got a big machete and we're just trying to get our way through it as best we can. But it is not a very efficient way to travel. You're going to get really tired and you probably will give up. Because it's not very fun. The Whole Life Fitness Manifesto teaches people how to leverage 2% of every 24 hours. That's where the 2% solution comes in. 2% of every uh, 24 hours is almost, almost 30 minutes a day. So it's really 30 minutes. I just tell people 30 minutes. I'm rounding up a little bit, but it's 30 minutes a day of intentional activities to see your physical body, your mental and emotional body, as well as that spiritual body and all these parts of you, gain resiliency, get healthier. The 2% Solution Podcast is just an extension of that where I'm now talking to different guests on different subjects and sharing some great actionable tips and strategies that can be applied in as little as 30 minutes a day to see improvement in the area that those subject uh, matter experts are speaking to. I also, on every Monday, I've got a Monday Motivation, super short episode, always less than seven minutes that sets you up mindset-wise for the week ahead. And then Fridays, I have Fit Tip Fridays where it sets some healthy intentions for the weekend. Because I know Monday and Fridays are important days to get the mindset right. Monday for the week that we're about to experience, Friday because usually the weekends are when people let themselves go. It's a weekend, which is a break from the week, <laughs> you know, it's like my vacation from the week. And, and that's often where I find my clients would let them, their guard down, their intentions down and awfully undo, unfortunately, a lot of what they did during the week. And then they start the week over again, feeling like they're right back at zero again. And it's like, well, no, let's, I'm going to help you with this. And so those two short episodes on Monday and Friday are really to get the mindset in the right place and give you actionable tips and tricks and strategies to take in the weekend. So it's three episodes a week. And Why? Because I want to inspire, motivate, and educate people. And I am always going to strive to do it in a fun way. And what better avenue than a podcast? So that's
1: really it. You've put out a number of different episodes already, many of which have been the chapters of your book and talking about some of the things that you should be thinking about. And you've gotten to almost pretty much the end of the book in regards to those episodes. So, what's next? And what is coming next as you go down? the path. You talked about the Monday and Friday, but you're going to have that midweek episode too. But what's in the plan in the future? Well, there's a few different aspects. I've recognized that this is really
0: my own frustration. So out of my own necessity, I felt this would be a good idea is every time I have a guest on, we co-create an action sheet, a one-page actionable sheet that summarizes the key things shared in the episode, but also gives some actionable steps to start to implement some of the things talked about. And all those activities will always be less than 30 minutes a day. And these resources will be accessible in the 2% Collective, which is the community of the 2% Solution. And it's free for people to join. And uh, Because again, I just want people to have access to the information so they can do something to see life get better. Because life only gets better when you start doing things, okay? You can sit there and try to manifest the best life in the world. And that's great. You might have a very positive mindset. But unfortunately, just thinking about things doesn't necessarily make things happen. (laughs) So we, we need to think about it. We need to reflect on it. We set some intentions. But now we go forward and do something. And so that's really the premise of the podcast is to inspire people with doing the right things for the right reasons to produce the right results, And in that, I feel I'm living my purpose. Like, really, that's what it boils down to. I feel very fulfilled putting this kind of content out. And so in the future, I've already got over 100 people that have applied to be a guest. So I've got plenty of amazing experts in so many different areas. Just recently, I had a conversation with somebody about some of the best strategies to release trauma in a healthy, constructive way. Also, how to use fitness. I just talked to somebody about the three best questions to ask if you want to get very clear on what your values are. So there's all these sort of types of people that are going to be coming on to share this wisdom. And so, yeah, I'm just excited to be the conduit to get people the right stuff. So let's talk
1: action then. Right now, someone, you know, a person's listening, they're hearing this, they're saying, okay, I'm going to check out this podcast, but today I'm listening and I want to do something. I want to do something to just start moving in the right direction. What's one thing that they can start doing today that'll start to kind of turn the tide and helping them to find that whole life fitness for themselves?
0: Well, there's two things a lot of the times I ask people to do, two, two little things. One involves fuel. The second one involves activity. And the two are not mutually exclusive, by the way, okay? They, they tend to feed each other, quite literally. But the first one is to start your day with a green smoothie. Just every day, have a green smoothie. People are like, well, what kind of green smoothie? What do I put in it? Don't worry, I've got a free book on that. I've got a recipe book with 10 of my favorite green smoothie recipes. It's free. People can have it. I'll provide you to the link, Chris. You can share it in the show notes. So anybody that's listening, you can get a copy of this. So there we go. Get rid of that excuse, right? I don't know what to do. Yes, you do. <laughs> because here's the thing. It's starting your day with this injection of nutrient-dense food and it's in a liquid form so it's easier to consume you can do it on the fly because i hear so many people oh i don't do breakfast because i'm just too busy just like i can't Uh, mornings are too chaotic gotta get the kids to the school i gotta do this that yo you need a good meal to start your day green smoothie is the best that i found it works great for my lifestyle i've been doing this for over 15 years this is how i start my day every day and it's awesome and i just tell people do it for two weeks and tell me it doesn't make your difference so that's the challenge, throwing down the gauntlet right now, okay? Do it for two weeks. Now, second to that, if you want to really get even more out of this two-week commitment, I invite people to walk for 30 minutes every day outside and a brisk pace. I mean, it's not just some sort of saunter, right? Like you're, you're going with the intention of elevating the heart rate a bit. So you feel like you're actually working. And so just 30 minutes, and I always say, Listen to a podcast like Chris's, you know, or some inspiring piece of information. So you're at least injecting something positive into your mind while you're doing your walking. I know it's technically three activities, but it's really just two, but two are as one. So that would be it. And I invite people just do that for two weeks. And I know they're probably thinking, well, I mean, I don't have to work out at the gym. I don't have to like, you know, measure my food. Like, hell No, (laughs) okay, like it's about doing something that's realistically going to move the needle, but also I want you to feel how simple it was to move that needle. I want people to experience a win that felt more effortless to attain. And this is, believe me, after two weeks of doing this, you're gonna start to sleep better, you're gonna be managing your stress better, you're gonna be making better decisions around your food because you start your day with something healthy, it gets the energy in a great place. When you're feeling great, you don't wanna stop feeling great. So you instinctively will start to choose different fuel sources just automatically because of how you're feeling. Also, because of the movement, you're going to start to see physicality change. Your heart rate's going to get better. You're going to handle stress a little bit more effectively because you're actually releasing a bit of stress. You also start to be, boost your metabolism. So you start to have more metabolic health, meaning that you're using a lot more of those calories you put into your body as well for a healthy thing. So these are just some of the high level stuff that you can expect within just as little as two weeks. And then after two weeks, oh, believe me, there's so many different things you can do, but that's a great place to start.
1: Well, I appreciate that. I love you that you threw down the gauntlet and we'll definitely put a link in the notes today with your, with your green smoothies and definitely uh, challenge all people to take you up on that challenge. Now, if people want to find out more about you, about your podcast, where should they go? Well, my website, diamondwell.com or any social platform, Diamondwell.
0: It's a nice thing about having a really weird, unique name. It's unencumbered everywhere. (laughs) I'm the only one, but Dai is a Welsh name for David, D-A-I. Manuel is Portuguese. It's M A N U E L. If You can spell it somewhat right. Don't worry. You'll find me. But as far as social, I'm most active on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Those are my three primary platforms. My primary ones that I tend to hang out on the most. And then my website is where I have just lots of content and free resources. Over 1500 articles I've published over the last 10 years all geared on helping people optimize their happiness, fulfillment, and joy in life. And so I always say, Hey, good luck, but it is a bit of a rabbit hole. So when you go down the rabbit hole, be prepared. You're going to Get lots of great information, but you might find you're losing some time. And I've had people message me like, oh my gosh, I went in there to read one article and I ended up being on there for two hours. So like, I always say, thank you. And then second, thank you. (laughs) Anyways, but thanks for asking, Chris.
1: Well, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for sharing your story today about you and your daughters, the the changes that have been happening in your own home, but also about how each of us can find fitness in our own lives in small, independent ways. And I wish you all the best. Chris, thank you. And it's an honor to be back. Thank you for
0: having me back. But also, I can't wait to switch the roles and have you as a guest on my podcast. I'm throwing down another gauntlet. Boom. Uh, so those that are listening, you make sure you follow up with Chris to make sure he's getting on my podcast too. Anyways, I can't wait to have you on to talk about being a father with daughters, but especially the organization that you've co-founded, Fathering Together, and some of the amazing things you're doing there. Because I, that is something that we all need to learn more about. And I can't wait to have
1: you on. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out
2: and firemen, carpenters, and muscle men. Get out and be the world you love. Be the best dad you can be. Be the best dad you can be.